This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. We've been doing a series when I've been with you. I appreciate Derek filling in for us last week. I understand it was really good. You did a great job. I, uh, I, and how do you like our new children's and youth wing? Is that, is that turn out? That is wonderful. So, man, I, we're so blessed to be able to have that. We're also so blessed to have planted a church, helped to plant a church in Salina, Kansas. And we were up there last week with John and Lindsay. And they've got a building. They're three and a half years old, man. They're going strong. They're the best thing to hit Salina since sliced bread. And they are, they are making a huge impact in that city. They're reaching out. They're doing a lot of the things that we do here and they're bringing it to Salina. So we planted them. John and Lindsay were our youth pastors for years and we helped them plant that church in Salina about three and a half years ago. And we're just so blessed to see what God is doing there, the Ark Church Salina. We've been doing a series when I've been with you uh, during the month of, of May called The Minefield. And this morning I want to talk to you about, it's in our a little bit limited time, but I want to talk to you about uh, a different way of thinking this morning. I want to talk to you about higher level thoughts. Higher, higher thoughts, higher level thoughts, and especially as it pertains to how you see yourself, how you see the Lord, and some of the things that can be, uh, I, I guess, a hindrance to that. So we're going to learn some things today as we talk about how your thoughts can be higher level. How you see yourself is important. It's, it's really what often we refer to as our identity, how we think about ourselves, the picture we have of ourselves. Now, it's, it's, there's many things that can influence that. One of the biggest things that's ever influenced that has been your parents, how you grew up. The parental voice is still one of the strongest voices. People can, I, I've heard people say, I can still hear my mom's voice, or I can still hear my dad's voice. And what we say about our children and what we say about our family members, the closer the relationship is, then the, the more the impact in terms of what kind of how we see ourselves, what our parents say probably has more impact on our lives than even what other parents say. So now that, that can also get into uh, marriage relationships and people who are very close. Closer the relationship, the more the impact, and that can be good and bad, positive and negative, how you see yourself that way. How do you think about yourself in terms of thoughts that you have formed on your own? Now, there was a, a man who wrote a book called The Three Christ of Ypsilanti. Uh, his name was, he's a doctor, he's a psychologist. His name was Dr. Milton uh, Rokic, and uh, Dr. Rokic had three uh, patients in Ypsilanti, Michigan, in a psychiatric ward. All three of them had these delusions of grandeur. All three of them thought that they were a special gift to the world. They were different from everybody else, that they were, in actuality, the Messiah. All of them had that complex. And he tried his best to, to try to work through them, to break through that delusion. And uh, he just, he was running out of ideas. So he thought, okay, here's an idea. Since three of these people have this delusion, I'm going to put them together and do some group therapy, kind of like a messianic 12-step program. <laughs> and he, he brought them together, but he said it didn't work. He said one of them would say something like, I'm the... Uh, I'm the son of God. I'm the chosen one. I'm the one who's called to save the earth. I'm the Messiah. And Dr. Rokic would look at this individual. He'd say, who told you that? He said, God told me that. He said, one of the other ones would pipe up. I told you no such thing. <laughs> the, the delusion in that group was pretty strong. 
He said it never, it, it never worked. Thank God we don't have to form our lives on delusions, but how many times have we formed an identity based on a feeling, based on appearances, based on maybe a situation that you're going through or past experiences, and oftentimes how people see themselves. You hear them say, well, I just, I just feel this way. But so much emphasis on feelings. And I just feel this way. We're, we're telling our kids, how do you feel today? How do you feel like identifying? And, and so that can be so confusing because feelings are subject to change all the time. And how about your appearance? I mean, that can change. I mean, good and bad. You see someone maybe that's lost significant amounts of weight and maybe they've been overweight all their life and all of a sudden they get very fit and trim. It changes their identity, how they see themselves. And even times the experiences that we're going through can impact our identity. How we have gone through situations. Maybe you're going through a tough situation and it impacts again how you see yourself. But there's good news this morning is that we have a higher source of forming our thoughts and forming our identity than simply our feelings or what other people have said or our, our experiences or what the mirror tells us. There's another way. It's a higher source. Isaiah gives us a picture into it. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We say, well, okay, Alan, I got it. God's thoughts are higher. God's, thought, God's ways are higher. Of course they are. I get that. But here's the beautiful thing. God has given us his thoughts in Scripture. He's given us his thoughts. These are God's thoughts. They're inspired by him. And it's not just God's thoughts about the world. It's God's thoughts about you and who you are. And as you begin to find in Scripture who you are, it's, it's a higher thought. It's a higher form of identity. That's a different kind of thought. And you say, well, uh, does, that even, does that even make sense? Listen, we know it works in the negative. Many of you remember uh, 2008, there was a, a man who won, who won the uh, Academy Award for the Best Supporting Actor uh, posthumously. Is that the way you pronounce that? He was not here. He was dead and he won the Academy Award. His name was Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger won that award for a movie called The Dark Knight. He played the Joker. And in that movie, for those of you who are familiar with that movie, if you haven't seen it, I'm not even gonna recommend it, but they say his, his, his performance was, they said electrifying, but they also said things it was diabolical, demonic, Satan himself, the picture of evil, in fact, one of Michael Caine, who is an experienced actor, said his, his actions on the stage and his acting was so terrifying, he said sometimes he would forget his lines. And when they begin to, to, to dig into this with Heath Ledger, here's, here's what he said. He said, for me to really get into a character, he said, I have to get into his skin. He spent a whole month alone in a hotel room just getting into his character of the Joker. He perfected that laugh and that, and that personality. One month being absorbed. And Heath Ledger said himself to a reporter, he said, this character is a psychopathic, mass-murdering, schizophrenic clown with zero empathy. So he spent a month and more just being absorbed in that character and absorbed in that character. He told another reporter, he said, 
He said, this is taking a toll on me. He said, I can't sleep at night. He said, I take two sleeping pills. I can't sleep at night. He said, I'm exhausted. I'm getting two hours of sleep at night. He said, my, my body's exhausted. My mind is racing. And not long after he did this movie, Heath Ledger died of an overdose of prescription drugs. People, people say it, there have been articles written that it was the Joker that killed Heath Ledger. He looked too much into the dark side. Now, I think we can understand that you spend that much time engrossed in the negative, in the dark side, it's going to impact you. But if you spend, but think about this, if it can impact us on the negative, thank God it can impact us on the positive, that we begin to take time, spending time, finding out what God has said about us, and we begin to put that into our hearts. Instead of lowering us, it lifts us. God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher and we can begin to adopt his higher thoughts about us. There's an interesting character in the Bible. He only shows up briefly, but he has a pretty big impact. It's John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a, was a forerunner of Jesus. He was born almost the same time, just a few months before, miracle birth. And John the Baptist really had a, a scenario of ups and downs. Some of the ups that John the Baptist had we're going to see right here in a minute. John had very much higher thoughts about himself. He began to preach. Everybody was coming to him. The whole nation was just enthralled with this guy. He was amazing. And they're like, what is going on? So they sent Pharisees to him. Let's take a look at this passage. Now, this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now what John told these, these uh, Pharisees that came to him was fascinating. They said, you're the Christ? They hadn't had anybody really stand up and, and, and galvanize a nation in a long time. And John was the best thing going. He was a prophetic voice. He was really bringing truth. And they thought, could this be it? They've been waiting for the Messiah forever. And they thought, are you the Messiah? No, are you Elijah or the prophet? And he kept saying, no, no. And it's interesting that they demanded, well, who are you? The world still demands, who are you? What do you say about yourself? And John the Baptist answered one of the best ways he could. He said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm the voice of one cry in the wilderness. And he quoted what the scriptures had said about him. You see, John found who he was in the scriptures. And John said, this is who I am. I'm the voice. He knew what his mission was. He knew what he was because he had, he had traded in his thoughts. He could have said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm the, I'm the best thing that's hit Israel in 400 years. I tell you who I am, man, I'm the hottest preacher going. I can tell you who I am, man, I'm, I'm, I'm the man. He said, I'm not the man. He said, I am, and he quoted a scripture, I am who God says I am. He found himself in the scripture. That's a higher thought. John the Baptist also had higher thoughts in, concerning who Jesus was. John the Baptist was the only one who saw, he had, he had really a revelation of Jesus that no one else had. Remember, Jesus was constantly having to explain himself to people, but it was John that saw Jesus walking one day. He goes, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
John had a revelation that Jesus was not just a mere man or a mere prophet. John had a revelation that Jesus was the Messiah. In fact, it was John who said about Jesus that everyone who would believe on Jesus would have everlasting life. That's higher thoughts. John had found in the scriptures who Jesus was, and so his thoughts about Jesus were elevated. They were, man, he, he just had a great perspective. So you're thinking, this guy's awesome. He knows who he is from the scriptures. He knows who Jesus is. You think he's got it made. And then we see the downside of John. John got involved with Herod, told him he shouldn't have married the woman he married. That's usually not a good idea to talk about someone else's wife, but here's what happened to John. He got thrown in prison. When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, said to Jesus, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What happened to John? John's prison. He got imprisoned. Stinky, dark, cold, nasty prison cell. And in that prison cell, he got stuck there for a while. You know, if you've ever been stuck in a situation, you know it can cause discouragement. And John was discouraged. Even though he had all these higher thoughts, Discouragement began to set in, and not only discouragement had set in, but, but you can hear offense in him. In fact, Jesus mentioned that word offended because he said to Jesus, who he had the revelation of as the Savior of the world, he said to Jesus, are you the one who's coming or, or should we look for someone else? What you can hear John saying is, Jesus, I've, I've been your man I've, and I'm stuck here in prison. And you have not busted me out. How come, Jesus, you have left me here in this prison? His expectations were that Jesus was supposed to get him out. And because Jesus hadn't gotten him out, he's now going to, are you the one? But I loved how Jesus handled him. Jesus didn't, didn't tell those. He was, you go back and tell John to get his mind right. You just go back and tell John, of course I'm the one. Don't be stupid. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus was kind. He said, go tell John. Go tell John what's going on. And, and he begins to quote that the deaf are hearing and the blind are seeing. What's interesting is he's not just recounting what he's doing. He's also quoting scripture. Because in Isaiah, it talks about those very same things. Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61. Jesus is basically saying, John, scripture is being fulfilled here. John, don't lose sight of what you are and what you have and what you know. John, Go tell John again, John, you need to be reminded that I am exactly who I said I was. I am exactly who you know me to be. I am the Messiah. I am the answer. I am the healer. I am the one who's come. And John, you remember that. You know that. You know the scriptures. And he was reminding John of what the scriptures said about him and bringing him back. Higher level thoughts. How do you develop a higher level thought for your own life? How do you develop a, a thought? You say, you know what, I, I know sometimes my, my thinking's not been good. Listen, your thinking impacts your life. In Romans it said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so as we begin to renew our mind, it changes our life. It's, trans, it's transforming. So here's, one, here's a great strategy. 
One, you begin to know who you really are. Not what your feelings say. Not what other people have said about you. Who you really are and what God has said about you. So, Alan, I don't know what God has said about me. Now you do because the scriptures apply to you. They're not private interpretation. They apply to you. So I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you a head start this morning. Here's what the scriptures say about you, 1 Peter. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. Leave it up there if you would, guys. Let's take a look at that. Here's what you can say about yourself. Who are you? Someone says, well, who are you? So I'll tell you who I am. I'm chosen. I'm part of a chosen generation. And I'm not only chosen, you are looking at royalty because I am a royal priesthood. I, I have, I'm royalty. I belong in God's royal family and I am a priest. I have a place with God. I'm part of a holy nation. I'm God's own special people. This is who we are so we can proclaim the praises. We have a mission just like John had a mission. John had a mission to go in front of Jesus and point the way to him. We still have the same mission, guys. We are to point the way to the one who set us free, who redeemed us, who called us, who made us his own special people so we can show the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we can be those people who say, God, you've, look what God has done in my life. And if someone comes up and goes, oh, you're so amazing. You're so awesome. Don't go, yes, I know. Do not say that. Say, God's done an amazing thing in me. And I, man, I used not to be the people of God, but now I'm his people. Isn't it, isn't it good to be God's people? There's so many people out there who don't know who they belong to. We know who we belong to. I've heard people say, man, I wish I could have lived back in the days when they were in Moses and them, and they were God's special people. You are God's special people. You don't have to wait for Moses. In fact, you're not his servants anymore. You're his children. And children is a good place to be. And those who have obtained mercy, <laughs> I am so glad I have obtained mercy. The Lord's been merciful to me. What, what are we doing? We're reminding ourselves of who we really are in God's sight. Spiritual things are higher than natural things. And your spiritual identity in Christ is higher than anything you have been or are or, or been growing up. have to remember who you are. In 2016, if you're a baseball fan, the Chicago Cubs were playing the Cleveland Indians. It was the seventh game of the World Series. Been a very interesting series. Chicago was, they were playing at home. Fans were excited. They were up six to three in the seventh, and they brought in their closer, who was just a fireball thrower, and they thought, it's over. And he gave up three runs, and the score was tied. He, they were you could begin to feel the despondency set in because see, Chicago had this, this, this word on them that they were cursed, that they could never win. In fact, they had not won a World Series in 108 years. So they had this feeling that's cursed. And so the whole mood in the whole stadium and on the, with the players begin to just draw down because they're thinking, Here, here's where the wheels fall off. Here's where we're cursed. But then... It may have been an act of providence. The heavens opened up and began to pour rain, and they put the tarp over the field, and they called a delay. And as the team was in 
the locker room, one of their players, I think it's Hayward was his name, recognized that the team was down. And he stepped into the middle of them and he began to exhort them. And he began to exhort them. He said, we need, you need to remember who you are. He said, you, we are. He's talking about we. He said, we were the top team in baseball this year. We had the best record in baseball this year. He said, we were the team who's already won two playoff series. We are the team who came back from a three-to-one deficit to, to have this seventh game. This is as much our game to win as it is to lose. And his reminding them of who they were, he said, you could sense, and they talked about in the locker room, that the spirits of the locker room lifted, and they went out there, and in the 10th inning, they got two more runs and won the game and won the World Series. They hadn't won one in 108 years. I'm hoping the Texans, it won't take them that long. <laughs> I have to keep the faith. Remember who you are. It's remembering who God says we are that makes all the difference in the world. We have to know who Jesus is, not what tradition said about him. What are your thoughts about him? What do the scriptures say about Jesus? That that he's a savior? Yeah. That he's a shepherd? Yeah. That he's a healer and a friend? Yeah. What do the scriptures say about him? We need that elevated. I know sometimes the world tries to deem Jesus and make it out to be some weak, effeminate man who did nothing on the earth and everyone who follows him is crazy. But I want to tell you something. He was anything but weak. He was, a, he was a man of God. He was a man of strength. And he is a savior and someone who loves us and gave his life for us. He, he is awesome. But we have to think about who he is. There was a, there was a young man who had, had been raised a Hindu in India, and he said for the very first time he attended an a Indian service of believers. He said never been in a, 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 a believer's service. He said, he said the house was run down. He said, but the people were so enthusiastic, and they began to sing. Lady with the tambourine, she hit that tambourine. They began to sing, and they began to sing this song, Wonderful, Wonderful, Jesus is to me. Counselor, Mighty God. Prince of Peace is he, saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. Wonderful is my Redeemer. Praise his name. He said they sang that over and over and over. He said with such enthusiasm, he said those words just begin to burn into my heart, burn into my soul. And this Hindu found himself singing along with the group, wonderful, wonderful. He said... In the Hindu religion, he said they'd never talk about any Hindu god as being wonderful, as being a counselor. He said Shiva, no one talks that about Shiva or Kali, his bloodthirsty wife or, his, or their half-elephant, half-man son. He said no one ever talks about Hindu gods that way. He said this guy became a believer because of a song that began to elevate who Jesus was. Listen, if a Hindu can find out who Jesus is, then people who know him, we know exactly who he is. He is wonderful. He is a counselor. He is the Prince of Peace. He is a Savior. So we can think higher thoughts about Jesus. And last is this, is recognize, guys, recognize where the, the, the enemies of higher thoughts come in. Discouragement. Well, you get discouraged when you're stuck in a situation for a long time. You begin to think, gosh, it's, it's never going to change. Never going to change. And maybe if you're not careful, you can find yourself getting offended at God. God, uh, you know, it's, uh, God, why, why have you done this? God, why haven't you come through for me? Listen, 
even though I understand the feeling, I'm just telling you that's not a good long-term strategy. Jesus said, blessed is he who's not offended. And so in the middle of this, you say, well, what can I do? Well, in the middle of this, you can do this. You can refuse to allow yourself to go to the negative, and you can go back to the scriptures. Here's a couple of my favorite right here. What then shall we say to these things? These what? These discouraging things. These negative things. All the things going on around us. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Man, I love that. So we go back to the scriptures. We go back to what God's higher thoughts and higher ways say. And we refuse to go on the negative. In this series, I want to make one thing that I hope you get, and I hope you get it so clear. Your ability to choose your thoughts. A number of years ago, they did a, a study. And in this study, they did it with, with German shepherd dogs. They had three groups of these German shepherd dogs. And they, with one group, they put a harness on the dog that would give them an electric shock. But they also had a lever where the dog could push the lever and the shock would stop. Second group was the group of dogs they put the harness on. And they would receive a shock. But, and there was a lever there, but when they pushed the lever, nothing happened. So they just kept getting the electric shock. The third group of German Shepherd dogs, they put this harness on and they got no shocks at all. So they did this for a while and then they began to take these dogs and begin to put them into a large box with a, a, a small divider wall between two sides of the box. And they would put the dogs in this one side of the box. Well, on the one side of the box was an electric shock. They said there were two groups of dogs who quickly determined they were not going to stand there for that electric shock. The first one, who had the power to change, when they pushed the lever, the shock stopped. And the third group, who never got shocked at all. So when they began to get shocked, he said they quickly learned to jump to the other side. They said, but the second group, the group that was powerless to change the electric shock, would just stand there. And they wouldn't adjust, and they wouldn't adapt. They called the, the phenomenon learned helplessness. And I thought, okay, I know, I know we're not dogs. I get it. But how many times have, have people learned this idea, I can't change what I think. I can't change, I can't change the image of how I see myself and this is always the way it's been and it's always the way it's gonna be. If you don't get anything out of these series, get this, you can change the way you think. You can adopt God's higher thoughts. You can get something different on the inside of you. You just have to make the determination, I am not going to stand here all my life and get shocked. I'm getting on the other side where it gets better and where God can help me. You can change it. It starts with the belief that God loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's not mad at you. If someone wrote, you've seen our billboard, God's not mad at you. That an individual that wrote us said, God is mad. He's mad at you. He's mad at, all, mad at all the evil. He's not mad at people. He loves people. I wrote her back and said, no, God's just mad at you. No, I did not do that. I did. <laughs> we didn't write her back. But how sad to think that. How sad to go through life thinking God's mad. No, God sent his son to die for you. How will he not with him also freely give you? all things, including the ability to choose your thoughts and choose your Savior. Would you bow your head for a moment? 
If you came today and said, Alan, I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Savior of my life, or I'm just not sure. Or maybe you've done that in time past. And you, realize, you just realized today, you know, I, I know I've walked away from God. I'm not walking with Him, but I want to. Man, that's such a, a good decision. We're going to say a prayer. Watching online, you can pray this prayer along with us. Here today, you can pray this prayer. This is a powerful prayer. It's not hard. It's simple. It's a simple belief. I choose Jesus as my Savior. I choose to make him the Lord of my life. It's us. It's our choice. So this prayer is coming. But let me ask you a question. If you're here today and you say, Alan, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Or I know I've been away from God and I want to come back. Would you pray for me? I'm, I'm not going to have you stand up or come to the front. I am going to ask you to do one thing. Just quickly slip your hand up across this auditorium. Say, Alan, that's me. Would, would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, thank you. Thanks. Appreciate your courage and your humility. It takes both to do that. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand and you wanted to, you can still jump right in on this prayer. We're going to pray it with you if you're at home or you're watching somewhere on your mobile device, you're watching online, you can pray this. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with others, you can, you can pray it quietly. We're going to pray as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Said still bow. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer today, here and online. Lord, we just thank you for changes that have taken place in their hearts right now. For those who've come out of darkness into your marvelous light, for those who've come back home, Lord, we rejoice with them. And Father, for all of us here who, who know you, who have walked with you, thank you that what you see in us is our potential, not our past or the weaknesses of our present. Thank you for what you see in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.